This is a podcast about the hardcore community. Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. All right. Thank you for joining us for episode number 142 of the Hardcore Archive Podcast. Uh, as always, Josh Lyons is here as my uh, intrepid co-host. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Let's go with you, Greg. Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm still riding the high from that uh, shutdown interview we just posted with Mark. And I was uh, relaying to uh, Sam and Michael here from Private Hell. Uh, there are guests tonight that um, the last guest we had on met Katie Holmes and had a really cool story about how Katie Holmes went to a hardcore show. And I expect them to top that at least like twice as cool of the story. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as I alluded to, we have tonight Private Hell from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we have Sam and uh, Michael. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good, man. Thanks for having us on the show. I appreciate it. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm just going to have to like make up some ludicrous story just to uh, try to top the shutdown one. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get to that at the end. That way you have plenty of time to <laughs> think and con concoct a like, really convincing lie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Sam and, and Michael, uh, what do you guys do in private hell? Uh, let's uh, let's kind of hear your background. Yeah, so I uh, I sing, uh, play rhythm guitar, and uh, I write not all, but a, a good chunk of of the songs. Uh, I play drums. Oh, that's, excellent! I'm a drummer too, it. so I'll have like, oh, plenty of plenty of drum questions for you because no one ever gives a shit about our gear. They always <laughs> they always want to hear uh, they always want to hear some uh, some other guitar stuff. Yeah, well, I kind of know what I'm talking about. We'll see. <laughs> All righty. So, um, uh, you know, we usually start this out with kind of finding out how people discovered hardcore punk and, you know, what it means to you. Um, so, Sam, let's uh, let's jump in with you. How did you first come to be initiated into the uh, hardcore punk community? Um, I got into punk music really young through some of my family. I have some older cousins who were into that. So really, I've been into punk music since I was uh, maybe nine or 10 years old, which is kind of weird to think about now that I'm 32 that's like a majority of my life that i have been indoctrinated from an early age but i love it and um you know when i was a teenager i got more into hardcore uh being like i grew up about an hour from richmond and realized how many good bands were in richmond and started coming to shows here and it was just i like a lot of music and always have but it's really exciting to be part of a local scene that feels really strong and there's good stuff going on I think that's what drew me into hardcore was growing up near Richmond. Yeah, I've been to one hardcore show in Richmond. It was a Veil and Strike Anywhere. And um, Hell yeah. Actually, what year was that? Uh, I want to say it was probably like 2006, maybe. Oh, because that was like right before a Veil kind of shuttered down for a while. Yeah, yeah. And Richmond, it's roughly the same size as Rochester and has kind of a lot of qualities as far as like, you know, buildings, architecture, just, you know, the size of the city. Um, but the scene, uh, you know, Strike Anywhere was like really popular in Rochester in the early 2000s. And I always felt like the two cities had quite a bit in common. Um, now, uh, Michael, you indicated in the pre-interview that you are from North Carolina originally. Um, did you get into hardcore when you were living down there or did you wind oh, up yeah. moving? Yeah, for sure. So I've only lived in Richmond about eight years now, which is crazy because it feels like it's been two or three years. But uh yeah, I got into hardcore, or I guess I got into like punk music through the way a lot of people do my age, originally through like a band like Green Day or whatever. Um, I think this kind of says something about the way I always have been with with art is anytime I get into something, I always want to go back to the earliest form of it. So like, for instance, like when Spider-Man came out when I was a kid, I was like, okay, I want to read the 60s Spider-Man comics. I always just like my brain wants to like know how things began. So like I went straight from like Green Day to The Clash to Sex Pistols to that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, which naturally got me into like 80s hardcore. And, you know, this was like the mid 2000s, like 2005 or so is when I kind of went all in on it. Um, and the time that I was getting into hardcore... Uh, specifically 80s hardcore um because i like i just kind of started there um 
was right when there's like a big resurgence in that kind of sound in North Carolina, in Virginia. Uh, I think like um, Raleigh, North Carolina and Richmond were kind of like these two pillars of like Southeast mm-hmm. hardcore punk. Yeah. That's the same time I would have started kind of getting into that. Kind yeah. Of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we, we were probably at a couple of shows without knowing it. I know we both went to the no way fest or the, the, third and final no way fest. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's there's a lot of bands you know, like bands like government warning or wasted time in north carolina we had like double negative and later like strip mines and stuff like that like all the sorry state records kind of stuff so that was really like my gateway into hardcore and punk was specifically through bands contemporary bands kind of doing the more of like the classic 80s hardcore style i didn't get into 90s hardcore <laughs> until much later until i was like 21 like i didn't hear integrity till i was like in my 20s or like even like a lot of those classic bands from the 80s uh, or from the 90s i mean other than like the most obvious bands like your hate breeds or whatever uh yeah so i was i was pretty behind the curve on a lot of that stuff like i actually think uh sam here is one of like i'd never heard a lot of other than ringworm and integrity i'd never heard a lot of like cleveland hardcore and stuff which he turned me on to which is just like so so eye-opening. I think the thing that it's, I've always loved about hardcore and punk is that it's kind of like a bottomless well of cool stuff. And just like when you think you found the cool, you think you think you found everything, like you kind of feel like you've reached the basement floor, you can still find like cool scenes and eras. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, and I've been doing it ever since kind of in, at least in some capacity. Yeah, much the same way. Like when I, get it really into a band. I want to like find out what bands influence them and check all those bands out. And then you can kind of keep going down the chain until you're, you know, back in the early eighties or something. Yeah. Um, North Carolina has got a, a great scene. Uh, when I think of North Carolina, I think of like some of the bands I liked uh, from the late nineties, like undying and prayer for cleansing. Yep. yep. Those bands oh, yeah. did a bunch of reunions. Oh those yeah. Like, yeah. Catharsis was from around our area as well. Oh yeah. They were great. I saw that reunion. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, Catharsis is another one, and and uh, them and Undying, they had like mm-hmm. you know their politics uh, definitely showed up in their lyrics, and uh, those two bands had a big influence on on my kind of social and political outlook even to this day. Um, so, uh, is Private Hell your guys' first band, or do you have any other uh, previous bands that no. you've done uh, before? So we're both in our early thirties at this point, so we've we've been doing this you know for a good fifteen or so years. Uh, yeah. You want to go first, uh, Sam, with some of your bands? Well, I don't want to uh, spend all night on this. I think a couple highlights. <laughs> yeah, at, at one point in the last couple of years, I was thinking and like realizing I might forget some of the, some bands I've been in because I've been in so many, many of which were short lived. So I made a list, and I think to date, I think I've been in fifteen or sixteen bands <laughs> that have played at least one show. Uh, but yeah, highlight wise. Um, I was in the band Fried Egg that did a lot of touring that and put out a handful of records. And then I was in a band called Wild Rose that was more like a rock and roll band. And um, those are probably the bands I've been in that have gotten outside of Virginia the most, besides Private Hell and some of my other current bands. Yeah, I, I, I've been in bands since I was 15. I uh, had a band in the high school called The Fuss. Uh, when I was in my college age years, I played in kind of like a kind of like a kind of like a melodic punk band called radio reds um then when i moved to richmond i had a bunch of bands that would like kind of flash in the pan bands that would play like one or two shows yeah uh, but nothing like ever really stuck for a while i feel like it, that's always the thing is you like you got to find the right drummer you got to find like the right right uh mix of people i played in a band called ghoulie for a good three or four years i guess i think it's just, i guess it's three years we actually speaking of catharsis we just did a re, like a reunion show for um uh page 99 did a reunion show here and catharsis came and uh you mentioned the politics of catharsis it was very cool seeing catharsis because not only did he have a lot to say on stage but it was the first time i think seen like crime think uh oh yeah type pamphlets and stuff at tables in years there was like a, so cool. a whole huge table of that stuff there. Yeah. I agree. It was cool to see for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, and we started Private Hell at this point. <laughs> Hell oh, yeah. It's just, it's just a weird coincidence. I, I, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm, I'm sitting in my basement and I, I, I literally just have this one flyer sitting here. Like all, all my other flyers are up in the attic. I don't know why it's oh, yeah. here, but this is from when Catharsis played in Syracuse. Uh, 
2002, maybe 2001, 2000. Hell yeah. With uh, Building on Fire from Rochester and some other bands. But anyway, it's just a funny coincidence that we're talking about Catharsis. And, yeah. yeah that, band. that band. Fucking awesome live band. Awesome band. Great oh, yeah. politics. You know, so awesome. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, you're cool. Um, but yes, I did Ghoulie for a while. And uh, we're kind of, you know, I'd say indefinite hiatus. The kind of cliche term. But uh, yeah, we started this band a couple of years ago. And this band's been really fun because it's my first time kind of doing something that's a little heavier. I think uh, it's kind of been the same for Sam too. Where it's mm-hmm. like this is my first time ever delving into like a band with like metal influences. Um, all my other stuff's either been like, like more like on the punk end of hardcore, which that is definitely still in this band. But it's the first time I've gotten kind of play with the influences of bands I've loved since I was a kid, like Slayer and Bolt Thrower and all other kinds of like kind of heavier music. So uh, not to not to beat a dead horse, but it's appropriate that you're wearing that integrity shirt because I always connect integrity and catharsis because the one yeah. time catharsis played Rochester, they were on tour with integrity and it was like a pretty wild, uh, wild show. You can look I the bet. footage up uh, on YouTube. Um, yeah, some 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 uh, folks showed up and started some 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 fights. It was like pretty <laughs> notable in the in the Rochester scene lore. So. Uh, well, yes, that of, makes sense because wasn't like uh, Integrity kind of like low key banned from the state of New York, or was that just the city? Uh, I mean, I guess I won't talk shit about shit that isn't mine to talk. But like, oh, we don't have to get into. Yeah, there's like here. there's yeah, like some yeah. beef, you know. I think they yeah. had some guys in some other scenes, but Rochester was they played Rochester. They played Rochester recently and did a phenomenal cool. show here the last couple of years. I don't even remember how long ago it was, but yeah, great band. Uh, uh, you know, definitely like uh, something everyone needs to check out if they're going to like revisit the 90s. Um, they're the best 90s band uh, as far as like, like there's other bands that like had records in the 90s, like Poison Idea had great records in the 90s and so Death Side. But as far as like when I think of great 90s hardcore, it's integrity to me. It's like the band. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all- like capture the the Cleveland sound kind of like, you know, a lot of different cities have notable styles and sound, but Cleveland is one of those cities, you know, like like Syracuse or New York city or Boston that, you know, you hear a band from that town and you can hear the influence of all the other bands that came before them. Um, I got, I got some questions about private hell now. Um, I guess let's, let's get into that since uh, that's, that's the name of the episode here. Um, How would like, how, what are your influences in private hell? You kind of went to a bolt thrower and slayer, but uh, how would you describe your sound for folks who haven't checked you out yet? Um, I would say, it's just kind of like an amalgamation of a lot of different elements. I think that's one of the things I really like about this band is we kind of are kind of open to just kind of playing in the sandbox of different stuff we love. I would say like for me, when we first started this band, I remember when I was talking with Sam, because me and Sam are the ones who kind of first got the uh, ball rolling on this band. And um, I think a, a lot of the big touchstones were bands that kind of were undoubtedly a hardcore punk but had like a definite metal influence in them yeah. uh bands like integrity was is definitely one of them um bands like death side uh sacrilege and then like straight thrash bands like sepultura and slayer uh but then like also just like poison idea and corrosion of conformity and well am i am i for kind of forgetting any uh things that come to mind sam I was the only thing I thought of was, and speaking of '90s hardcore, is uh, his hero is gone. I think yeah, that's like a pretty big crucial one and and one of my favorite '90s bands for talking '90s hardcore. Uh, but yeah, all of that and um, yeah, I've never been in like a metallic band, and I I like playing in this band because um, I've played I've like jammed with people to do heavier bands, and they were more in the world of metal music and really cool people, but. I felt like we weren't on the same page necessarily. And it's great to play with people who like that kind of music in the same way that I do and are trying to do the same things that I would like to do with it. And this is a, is the right group of people, I think, for that person. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call on his hero's gun. I think the elevator pitch I've kind of had to about this band, it's like, this is really simplifying it, but it's like, I've told people, like, <laughs> it's like a... Integrity meets tragedy. <laughs> that's like really dumbing it down, but that's a that's a two, that's two, accurate. two cornerstone two cornerstone influences for this band for sure. Yeah, um, m- mixed with a lot of other stuff, a lot of Japanese hardcore and eighties hardcore and thrash metal and stuff. But I'd say those are like the biggest ones. Also, like a band, even like a band like Neurosis was really big for me. Um, 
uh, a lot of their, not necessarily like their key sounds, but the way they approached mixing different genres. Right. Very influential on this band. Yeah. I like a lot of um, spacier kind of sludgy bands. And I don't think that's a direct influence, but I think the, the creativity of those bands is something that we kind of have in mind with this band. Um, so then like, what's your like songwriting process like, um, and I guess, uh, this is probably a good time, Sam, for me to like pick your brain about being a drummer. <laughs> um, how do you like prepare to like write, um, you know, like metal, metal influenced, uh, hardcore when your background is like other subgenres of hardcore. And then I'm interested to hear too about like some of your equipment, like what are you playing with? You got a four piece kit, five piece kit, you do double bass, you single bass. What, uh, like what, what kinds of, uh, what kinds of equipment are you bringing to the, uh, uh, to the show? Uh, so a uh, single kick and single Tom for this band. I think if I were to change either thing, I would add a second Tom before I would do double kick. Um, and I guess uh, something that comes to mind is Mikey mentioned bolt thrower. And I love how that band has a a looseness, but that's not to say a sloppiness. There's a way that they play together that's really interesting to me. That um, has a richness to it, and I attribute that with hardcore and punk, hardcore punk and hardcore as much or more than metal music necessarily, which can be very precise. And I like bands like that, but I think the way we play together has. Uh, it rocks. I don't know. <laughs> um, that's like an element of it. And I think that my drumming uh, suits the band in that way, or I, I like to think it does, or I hope it does. Yeah, Bolt Thrower is like one of those bands, they're like metal all around, but it seems like maybe maybe this is like a more recent development, but it seems like they have like a huge following in the hardcore scene. And yes. like they kind of just like stumbled upon inadvertently like a sound that just really appeals to hardcore kids. Yeah, I think... I think- they definitely came from hardcore is not not like hardcore yeah. but like crust punk and stuff that's what i was going to say the first album in battle there's no law has a kind of a crusty aesthetic so i it's, i think of that as their origin yeah it's kind of closer to like your napalm deaths or right extreme noise terrors uh it's still metal but i think there's definitely that kind of stuff that it and that looseness element is definitely a very good call that's definitely cl- yeah. makes it feel more more appealing to me as a punk music listener than something that's just like really rigid. Yeah. I try not to sit around thinking about my own drumming all day uh, for obvious reasons, but if I were to, I I think that that's something I'm drawn to is people who play with personality and a distinct style. And um, I think that's something that this band kind of plays with and is aware of. Um, so you guys have uh, a, a relatively new EP um, that's out, uh, Days of Wrath. Um, can you tell us like a little bit about how the band's sound kind of evolved into that? And then I'm also very interested to hear, um, uh, and I'm hoping, Michael, you can speak to this, about the lyrics. Like what types yeah. of things are you guys writing lyrics about? Um, so, yeah, Days of Wrath came out just a few weeks ago as of today in early no- October. Um and I think one of the things that was really cool with this EP is that when we put out our demo and when we first put together our first batch of songs as a band, they were pretty much, I don't want to say finished products, but they were fully written songs that I just kind of had, I was sitting on. I, I was kind of like looking for a band to use it with. Uh, so a lot of it was kind of me me giving it to the guys and them making them sound better and and more and fully realized. And I think with this, with this new release, it was way more collaborative. It was more of like a lot of times I would bring in a riff or bring in, I'd be like, so this is like kind of like the verse and the chorus, or this is like maybe like a kind of like a slow, like mosh part or whatever. And I think with this new stuff, it was much more of, like Sam, like saying, you know, no, maybe, maybe we should go halftime. Maybe we should like change the feeling of it. I think there, there's a lot of collaboration on this. That was really cool. There's also uh, to give our, our other guitarist, Nick full credit. He oh, yeah. did write, he wrote two of the songs on here too, which was cool for me as, as somebody who writes, I was like, yeah, please write this. Like less for me to worry about. I'm like very not a control freak when it comes to that element. 
<laughs> of stuff where like I love like other people bringing in ideas and stuff. So like we even had one song on the EP called Progress where uh, Nick wrote the music, our guitarist, our bassist who previously had only done backup vocals, does lead vocals on it. And then Sam here wrote the lyrics. So it was like a fully collaborative thing. I did that was cool. nothing on that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. That song, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's kind of, I think, the biggest thing with this. I think there is definitely on this EP a heavier influence of, of metal and thrash. I think compared to our, our demo, which I think was a little more little more d-beat influenced i mean it, we still are but i think i think we're really kind of finding our sound we, we mix with some elements of like sepultura or even like some like early metallica influences on this new ep that we hadn't before and I, there's there's also some like kind of more punk oriented songs but i would say like lyrically I, this one was a lot more focused um other than that one song progress i wrote all the lyrics otherwise to the record and Whereas on our, our EP, it was it was kind of me throwing, or the demo, it was kind of me throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, a lot of it was like stuff of me uh, coming to grips with sobriety, so I'm in recovery. And the, so that, that was a big, inf like a lyrical influence. And then a lot of it was more just like, kind of more straightforward, like angry punk stuff, which I love. But it was a lot, a lot of that. And... On the new EP, I wouldn't say it's a quote-unquote like concept record. I think that that's uh, putting way too much emphasis on it. But there was a, a reoccurring theme that was really uh, kind of the through line to Days of Wrath. Um, me and me and my wife, my family, we were kind of going through in 2021 when we started writing all this stuff. We were going through a pretty hard time. Um, we had to deal with a lot of loss in our family of, of grandparents, of pets. Um, my wife was pregnant and we, uh, she had a miscarriage and it was, it was just like a series of uh, pretty difficult events we were dealing with. Um, and so I think that was a big thing that I was, I was kind of dealing with throughout the writing of the lyrics on here of just kind of like coping with loss and kind of like looking around at, what everybody kind of had been going through in the wake of like 2020, whether it was people who had like lost their jobs, people who had lost their loved ones, people who had lost just time of their lives that they're never getting back. I feel like coming out of it, there's just this huge sense of loss that kind of a lot of people don't really talk about. Yeah. I think everybody kind of feels like a little damaged coming out of it <laughs> in one way or another, unless you're one of the few people who like had a great time during that period. <laughs> um, and I think that's definitely just a big emphasis on this EP is just kind of talking about how to deal with it and how to get through it and uh, kind of just seeing how so often with stuff, it kind of just kind of goes in cycles of things are getting better then things are getting worse. Things are getting better. Things are getting worse. Um, a lot of the emphasis on our, e our EP imagery is of like a snake eating its tail of just this endless cycle and that's, I'd say that's really the key idea of the EP. Like I said, without putting too fine of a point on it, uh, a lot of it's still just me trying to write punk songs, but that that was definitely an unintentional through line. So uh, first, I guess I just want to say uh, congratulations on your recovery. Um, Thank you. Josh and I uh, both are very familiar with, you know, issues arising from addiction and substance abuse. And that's something we've gotten into here and there on uh, some episodes. Um, there was an episode, uh, I don't know, about a year ago that I did that was about uh, addiction recovery and um, the influence that Buddhism can play into that. Mm -hmm. I participate in a, um, a recovery program that's Buddhism based. What uh, is it called? It's called Recovery Dharma. It's like an offshoot of... Um, of a refuge recovery. I don't know. That okay. one's like a little bit more well-known. Uh, and then I interviewed a, a friend of mine who's an addiction counselor in Syracuse, um, who's also involved in like Buddhism, a different Buddhism recovery program. Um, so congratulations uh, on that. Um, yeah, man, like that's about always... a year and a half. Oh, good. Off, yeah. Off, no booze. So oh, good for you. Um, uh, so that's like always something that I love to hear people talk about and open up about. Um, 
you know, for me, my, my, not, not that this interview is about me, but you know, my, um, you know, substance abuse problem stemmed from like a chronic untreated uh, mental illness that I've had basically yeah. since I was a child, PTSD. Um, I also like, you know, 2021 was like easily the shittiest year of my life. So I can like totally get down with like the yeah. sense of loss. <laughs> I can relate. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and in fact, I'm doing some math in my head and that's like kind of, you know, lining up with what you're talking about with like recovery um, but for me the like I lost in that period of time, I didn't like lose any immediate family members to like COVID or didn't lose my job, though my job became immensely more stressful. But the thing I think I did lose, and I was just talking about this with someone is like, I lost this ability to like have a sense of normalcy or a sense of predictability to life. It just felt yeah, like sure. shit hit the fan and it's just been like a constant shit show since then, whether it's like politics or society or the economy or the price of gas groceries or whatever. Um, hell, I mean, uh, Sam, you probably will appreciate this. Like my band practices every Sunday and I usually break a pair of drumsticks, sometimes two. Oh, yeah. And it's like 30 bucks. Like oh, those things yeah. used to cost like $7.99 and now they're like $15.99. <laughs> Yeah, I just realized that the other day. I bought three pairs, and it was like almost fifty bucks. Yeah, please, yeah. I didn't realize it was that yeah. bad. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you know, not to like kind of fix it on too much, but I feel like a lot of stuff with COVID. I've told my wife before. I was like, I kind of feel like coming out of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one that like a little piece of my brain kind of broke that like is never coming back. Like of just like the way I perceive reality, and I think for so many people. Um, the way people interact with each other is just immensely different than it ever was uh, of just people just like don't communicate with each other as much. I, I think a lot of people kind of just like kind of hole up, like kind of ball up themselves a little bit more with um, yeah, reaching out to other people. Yeah. I mean, for me, like 2021 was such a difficult year that it like forced me to start dealing with my shit. Like, yeah, I didn't... same. Yeah. For yeah. Real. That's I, I kind of from, for yeah. me with like booze was like, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, I probably would have kept drinking for a while longer otherwise, cause it kind of put the uh, gas on it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I had so much stress coming at me from like work. Um, 2021 was also a year that, um, and I get into this on the shutdown episode a little bit, like my son was diagnosed with a disability that was immensely stressful. Um, and that was like the, I like knew I had to do something. And that was like the first time I like actually went and sought treatment for PTSD. And that's been immensely helpful. Yeah. Um, so in some ways I'm like actually kind of glad, like, society collapsed and everyone turned on each other because if it hadn't, I probably would just be like limping along. Pretending yeah. There are to some be silver fine. linings. There are yeah. absolutely some silver linings. Um, I, I think, um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about the, <laughs> some of the cultural silver linings for sure. I'm sure in a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not to be a wet blanket on how tough life was in 2020 and how things are like, I guess a little no, better. People, now, some but... people had it way worse than me. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I always, I always try not to fixate too much on that stuff just because I feel like indulgent or whatever. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, thank you uh, for, for being like having an open, honest, vulnerable conversation yeah. about your lyrics. That's like totally awesome that people are doing that. And I know that like people listening to this who think, you know, maybe I have like an issue with addiction or maybe I have like a mental illness. Like for me, it always helped to hear people be open about, you know, where they were at and what they've been through and what they had to do to get to a place where they can function. Um, and I think it just yeah. makes it so much easier for people to like take that first step when they've heard other people like you and they listen to lyrics like, uh, you know, the ones that you've written. Um, I want to just circle back to Richmond uh, for yeah. a little bit. Um, like Richmond is definitely a cool city in its own right, but it's produced like a number of awesome hardcore and hardcore adjacent bands. Uh, I think we've mentioned Avail and Strike Anywhere. Uh, but I also think uh, municipal waste is at Richmond also. Yep. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Municipal waste is a, is a, a band that was like really popular in Rochester also a little around the time of strike anywhere. Um, what's uh, like, what's the seed report from Richmond uh, today? How have you guys been doing uh, kind of in the, the post pandemic hardcore explosion uh, now that we have like scowl on Taco Bell ads and turnstile <laughs> opening for blink 182. What are shows like uh, right now in Richmond? Great. You want to take uh, that, Sam? Yeah, sure. I'd kill her. I mean, 
Yeah, I think it's it's everywhere. And I think Richmond, for the size of city it is, has always had a good scene. It's had lulls like anywhere will. But even when the attendance or the energy wasn't 100% in the past, there's still always been great bands here. Uh, there's been record labels, festivals, just all kinds of things for really not that big of a city. But right now, I would say it's... It, in terms of attendance, it's as strong as any other peak I've experienced. And in terms of young people, I think it's at the peak currently. Um, I Even when I was like a teenager, I feel like there weren't as many really young people excited about hardcore. Um, and that's something I've experienced and noticed recently. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam said, I think um, Richmond is like has a... It, the quality of the scene here is disproportionate to the size of this scene uh, or of, of the city. I, I, you could probably attribute a lot of that to like VCU, which is like has a really big art art school program here. But yeah, ever since, I mean, even going back to the eighties with bands like white cross and stuff. Yeah. Graven image honor roll, graven image, or, you know, death piggy, which became guar. I mean, there's always just been a scene in Richmond that has really flourished for a long time i think you could also attribute that to how it used to be dirt cheap to live here that that not so much anymore comparatively speaking to other places it's still not too bad it's still okay but no it's doubled in recent years honestly now that you mentioned that that's probably the x factor that makes me think that rochester and richmond are very similar because for and it's getting worse here too like housing prices are getting nuts and rent is getting nuts but like people flee philly to come live in richmond all the time yeah, we've had like a number of people come f- to Rochester from like, you know, like Silicon Valley because they can work remote completely. And why yeah. would you try to buy an apartment in like Oakland when you could come to Rochester? Um, yeah, I was going to say like coming out of COVID, that that's one of the big silver linings in terms of the culture is just like the scene here is really flourishing. It's really having a moment right now. When we were on tour recently, we were kind of hearing a, a similar thing in a lot of cities is that yeah. just like all these kids came out of nowhere. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, like like Sam said, I was going to shows when I was 16. I was usually the youngest person in the room, almost right. always. And there's maybe three or four other people my age, but it was all people who were at least in their early 20s. Even pre-COVID, like 2019, I remember going to shows. I never stopped going to shows. And Richmond has always had good bands, but it was like, I would look around the room and I'd be like, wow, there's not a single person here younger than me. And I was like in my mid twenties. And it's been really cool seeing that change for my, for my ego a little bit. It's weird seeing people view me as like an old head now being in my early thirties, but I think I should, you know, I mean, I'm 31. That shouldn't be young in hardcore years. I mean, I think people should, you know, should stick with hardcore punk, as long as they want to, you know, th- you know, you see negative approach playing their sixties, uh, but the core of it should be younger people. It should be, you know, a self-sustaining organism. And right now Richmond's got a lot of great bands. Uh, there's bands like uh, one of my favorites is band killing pace. Who's kind of oh, yeah. like a mix of like grind and hardcore and death metal. They're a really good band. You got blazing tomb. who's like a death metal band, uh, mutually assured destruction has ACE been on this show before. Oh. Oh, okay ace stalling he does a lot of uh he does a lot of podcast stuff he does um what's his podcast uh forum of passion yeah mm-hmm. um yeah but he's in this band mutually assured destruction they're really cool uh richmond vampire there's um public acid destruct uh invertebrates yeah there's just like so many yeah. different bands and so many different scenes uh that a lot of them commingle a little bit more than they used to i think even I don't know if you, if you guys if you guys have kind of seen this in your area, but like you'll see heavier hardcore bands play with like D beat bands. Now it's not that abnormal of a thing. Like I remember right. last year there's a big Christmas show and they had Public Acid, who's like a ripping punk band, play with like Division of Mind and Antichrist Siege Machine, like all playing together, and it wasn't like considered that weird. And yeah. I think when I got into hardcore, that was not the case. <laughs> yeah. Brace War didn't play with government warning. They were different. True. And they got For the most they part, not yeah. like each other. There's some there's some exceptions, like so there'll be a little bit of crossover on festivals and stuff, but like 
right it was they not only did those bands not play together they were not friends uh, right so I, I, I definitely got that and i've always liked all kinds of music but i think part of why i've always been in punk bands is because there was some level of segregation amongst styles of music you kind of never, tribe. <laughs> yeah it never really made a lot of sense to me but it was what it was and i i don't want to speak for anyone else in in the band but i almost feel like without it's unspoken if this if anyone else feels this way but maybe that's a partial inspiration for private hell I, yeah, that we are drawing from those things because that's cool now everyone's cool with it and we're stoked about it i guess yeah we love playing with all different types of bands i think that's one thing we really like with this band is you know We've played with, you know, thrash bands, death metal bands, punk bands. We've played with like goth bands. And I, I think that's one of the things I really like about us is because I was talking earlier about how we mix influences. And I think because of that, we're able to play a lot of different types of gigs. So, yeah, that's something Richard's that cool right uh, Josh and I have noticed doing this podcast. Um, there's like a lot of cities that are like going through a resurgence of interest in hardcore like we did some interviews with some folks in Salt Lake City, and it seems like they've got a really vibrant scene. Um, we've had a, you know, some interviews with bands from Australia. They've got like a lot of stuff going on down there. And the thing that, like, the through line that runs uh, through all those uh, cities is that there's like a lot of shows with mixed bills, and it's yep. not like some weird thing where like people stand off to the side when you know the bands they don't like are playing. It's and then get involved when their band is up. Um, it seems like there's like a genuine interest in combining subgenres, um and i don't know i mean i feel like uh like that wasn't always the case i mean i know there's always been bands like terror that can like you know go on tour with dying fetus one tour and then go on tour with like h2o or the bouncing souls on another yeah. and, it, and it works um josh has another podcast called spreading the hardcore reality where he's you know basically just like showcasing new newer bands uh, bands that are like unsigned and there's just so many freaking bands out there now. I feel like 10 years ago, it like would have been a hard time to make a podcast that, you know, you had different, such diverse lineups each, uh, each week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned like the stuff like scowl and, and turnstile and stuff and, and, you know, not even going to like really comment on that, but I think regardless of how I might feel about that kind of stuff, there's definitely been an element of people who not wouldn't have heard about this world for better or for worse I mean, you'll have some people come out to shows who you know might not really be a part of this world and it might just be like a trend of something they do when they were in college for three years or three or four years you know whatever it's it, not everybody's going to be a lifer or whatever there's going to be right you know I, I don't often call people posers but there's <laughs> you know what i mean it's like there's people who aren't really like really like living it which is fine but That's always for, been the case, though. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, it's just a phase of their life. But now it's just like there's more people. So then there'll be more people who will stick around, hopefully, for another 10 years. For every, you know, 15 people at a show, maybe maybe at least one or two of them will, like, stick around. Yeah. And I think this is kind of what I touched on with how I got into hardcore. I think a vibrant hardcore scene brings in people who want to be a part of something and want to be a part of a community who might have different backgrounds and might bring new, fresh, creative ideas and make new, fresh and creative bands. I like to think that a, a, um, a booming scene just brings in a greater variety of people with a greater variety of ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not. I, I mean, I don't. And and I know I commented on like uh, Turnstile earlier and Scott. Oh no, and, no. And I'm, it's, it's, I get it. <laughs> not talking shit because I, I like definitely think there needs to be periodic, you know, just infusements of new blood into the scene. Yes. And some of those folks, you know, are gonna check out Turnstile and then they're gonna get into Trapped Under Ice and you know make their way down the rabbit hole. Um, totally. You know, I think it's largely a, a positive thing. I also feel like right now. Um, you know, we're all kind of still reeling from, you know, all the disruption of 2020 and 2021. We, we want like a sense of community. People are like hungry for a sense of community and a sense of authentic connection. And of all the things I've discovered in my life, hardcore offers that, you know, the best of anything better than, you know, going to a sports game or church or something. I agree. Yeah. Um, so you guys, uh, you guys have like a number of kind of connections to, 
the Western New York uh, scene, which is where we're based out of. We're based out of Rochester. Um, I, I've noticed you guys have played a show with uh, Science Man, which is like a really cool band from Buffalo. Um, and, yes, I think uh, Sam knows those guys. I think you mentioned Sam. I do. Yeah, actually, Private Hell hasn't played with them, but I, I maybe you're, I think where you might have gotten that was um, we were on the same festival. Okay. But on a different day of that festival. Gotcha. But funny enough, I do know those guys. Um, they played at my old house when I used to live at a house that did shows. And what my old band I mentioned at the beginning, uh, Fried Egg, did uh, part of one of our tours, like almost a week of shows. I think we played with uh, Radiation Risks, those guys' old band. And then going way back, one of my like teenage bands played um, a few shows with Brown Sugar when they were around, which is like someone from Science Man in, was in uh, that band. So I do know those guys, but Private Hell hasn't played with them yet. Okay. Maybe Sorry, one day down the line. Mistaken. No, we were probably on the same flyer for a festival. Yeah. I guess yeah, I, I love those guys. Because I didn't yeah. catch that. They're they're a phenomenal band. And like, you know, speaking of like crossing boundaries into subgenres, maybe that you're totally. not always into, like on paper, I don't know that I, I would, you know, be all about that band. Um, but like every time I've seen them live, they've just like stolen the show. And John Twohill's like a phenomenal front oh, yeah. man. And like they every time they play, I go see them in Rochester because they're they just always put on like a bonkers live show. And it's everything that like a hardcore punk band should be. Um, you I guys actually, also. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I need to see them live with the band because when they played at my house, this would have been 2019. It was a brand new project. And it was just John touring with um, he was kind of karaokeing. <laughs> like it was just him like singing in front of a bunch of speakers the way he set it up was cool though. He had like um he had like it stereo set up where like different instruments were coming out of different amps. Oh, so nice. that they weren't all coming out <laughs> of the same wild. channel. It gave it a little more of like a live sound, if you can imagine that. Like the drums kind of coming out of this one amp that sounds good, the drums coming out of it, etc. Um, I don't know how he did that, but that's the only way I've seen Science Man. So I've heard but I've heard from other people that are great live band as a band. I need to see that. So, and you guys also were on uh, Kings of Punk podcast, which is, you know, Leaking Head, Hallucination Realized, which are two, you know, two of Rochester's local favorites. So, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I met those guys. Yeah, I met those guys on just kind of through the internet. And then I went on their podcast. I've been on there twice now. I would actually love to go back on there sometime. Um, they're, they're, they're cool guys. And uh, yeah, we played Rochester this summer. It was a... Uh, it's actually on my birthday uh and it was july 3rd i think uh probably because of the holiday weekend is a little bit of a lower attended show which is fine you know but it was fun it was fun it was uh, it was like an outdoor gig in like a park like in a city park i don't know if they do shows there a lot or not but it was like a like a city park like a picnic shelter which was fun and with leaking head who were really good um as well as um only shallow and some other bands it was fun yeah, only Sh- only Shell is another another big hit around Rochester, and uh, their singer owns a really really awesome vegan pizza place. That uh, Josh usually you got the usually you got the new ethic pizza hoodie on. Uh. We went to this fucking like vegan. Uh, I got two young kids like Greg does, and we went to this like fucking family vegan playdate meetup thing last weekend. And I've been shell shocked to wear the hoodie ever since because I'm like, I'm oh my god, these fucking people. Like I love being vegan and shit, but when you get down with some of these like hardcore, <laughs> I was just like, oh, get you know, sitting there looking at my phone the whole time, basically like trying to play with my daughter or whatever. Like, so I, I'm where I'm rocking like plain shit, trying to be discreet. You know, it is good food though. Shout out to Matt New Ethic. Um, yeah, that show you guys play, I didn't make it out to that because like you referenced, it was Fourth of July weekend, but you guys basically played with uh some of the better bands in rochester um yeah jared from only shell is a really great guy um yeah we've also talked a lot on the internet we're both like big like danzig guys and horror guys so we uh bonded a lot over that kind of stuff yes sorrier collectives his his uh his Mm kind of shtick and uh they put on he puts on some of the best shows that are around here especially for like diy touring bands it's it's such an asset to have someone like him uh in your in your hometown yeah, when um, we played Rochester, I was going to say um, it was kind of cool because it reminded me of North Carolina, just like playing in a park shelter. People are like setting off fireworks and like 
cooking out and stuff because we played like new york city the night before at tvi where oh, yeah. it's like it's more of, like a big rock club kind of thing which is cool but then like going straight from that to playing like a park shelter was like a really fun uh shift in type of gig to play uh yeah it was fun i actually i broke a string during that set so i was I gonna a mention short, that a short set that night well it's, it sucks to break a string of course but the cool thing about that was this is the only show we've done with mikey as just a front man yeah that was because he put his guitar down and just sang a song like without a guitar just the mic in the hand i thought that was cool we should do that i'd never time. i'd never even seen that we never practiced like that or anything <laughs> i was like oh cool mikey's just singing he's getting in the crowd <laughs> and stuff so uh, sticking with the topic of touring and playing live shows, um, like what are some of the more notable shows you guys have played either like locally or on tour, or, like bands you've played with or opened with that were phenomenal or a big deal for you or like some any bonkers uh, show stories like where wild stuff happened. Let's uh, let's hear about it. Oh, geez. I mean, in terms of just like great bands we've played with, we've, we've actually we kind of play a lot of really good gigs. In the, we've like, played a lot of good shows. I can't think of anything years. crazy, but. I mean, our, the last show we played was with Poison Ruin. They're like one of the more exciting current bands to me personally. It was cool yeah, we to got play to play with them. Long Knife was great. Oh, um, I love, yeah, I love Long Knife too. Yeah, for sure. We played with, um, I mean, we got to play with like, with like bigger, like kind of old school bands. We've done shows recently with like the Crow Mags. We've done shows with DRI. But then like we also played like the the uh, Enforced record release show. Enforced is like a pretty big like thrash metal that band from here. That was cool. Yeah, that was, that a, was cool, a really uh, cool gig. It was all well no not all there was a high command um from, from massachusetts yeah. but otherwise it was like a nice diverse lineup of locals like um us and killing paste and um payload Grand, payload yeah. i was getting green yeah. scheme payload both great bands to share a lot of members yeah Kayla, who are more like a classic new york hardcore kind of style band and i just thought it was a perfect like i think a record release show like that represents the scene it was a really cool show to be a part of yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we haven't been a band for that long. Even though, like, like we formed in 2021, like the beginning of 2021 is when we started jamming. We were out of commission for uh, nine months. Mm, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to uh, mention that when you were talking about uh, shitty years earlier. Um, so I went through COVID along with everyone else, and then mere months into shows starting again, I um, I broke bones in both of my legs and and messed up one of my knees at work uh i i, I fell a, a good distance and and really fucked my body up and that was a long recovery process long difficult almost eight months of being in bed uh it was it was difficult and it was miserable but um i'm i think like we all talked about earlier maybe these difficult and horrible things ideally should help you to understand your own mental health and to yeah. to see a path forward and to focus on the good in life that's corny as that might sound i really genuinely mean that like that that was a very difficult time in my life but i've come to appreciate a lot of things since and i feel good about that yeah it's funny i, I it's i often like feel like we're still a newer band just because of like you know like that was you know like, like you said like eight months and we've only been a band for like two and a half years now under three yeah yeah so like you know, so only for like a you know, I'm not I'm not good at math, but like only for like like a year and a half have we actually been like gigging. Um, mm -hmm. That being so, said, uh, we did lose a lot of time, but we've done like a lot of cool. I think that we've done more cool shows in a year and a half than any of my past bands ever have. Yeah, we've done. We we had a lot of really cool opportunities, and we um, oh, we also played this band Brain Tourniquet a couple. We played them twice now. Who's like a really really great power violence band from DC um highly recommend that band but i think one of my the big standouts for me is um that that festival that we mentioned that uh science man played is uh yeah. our friend josh in roanoke virginia which is about like three hours west of us in the mountains of virginia and it's it's kind of it's always been like a much smaller scene than even richmond but uh josh he's puts on this fest called the floor is gone and I, I think some of my favorite memories with this band were there where it was with a lot of my favorite bands from our community bands like mutant strain from charlotte yeah and uh and we like this year like killing pace played uh a reckoning force who um their guitar reckoning player recorded our great. record yeah all those people are awesome yeah 
Yeah, we, yeah, we, like like you said, we've got we've really had a lot of really cool opportunities. Sometimes I feel like, oh, we haven't played that many gigs, but like we, as I'd say, like quality, <laughs> quality gigs. We played it. We played yeah. some good ones. We've only had a couple that have kind of like we've kind of been eh, on. Like pretty much most of them have been pretty cool, and uh, we. I think we'll definitely do some cool stuff next year. Um, I know you guys mentioned that you're both dads. I, my wife is pregnant. It's supposed to, uh, it's like doing a month. So uh, we'll be taking a couple months off, just like two, two or three months, just kind of laying low. Um, but while I'm doing that, the other guys are going to, going to work on some new stuff. So some songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. We want to be, we want to be active, uh, pretty active in 2024. Um, and hopefully, you know, have an LP out within, I would say, you know, maybe 18 months. Got some songs in the works. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on the news and and good Thank luck uh, uh, on on starting a family and also good luck on your LP in the new year. Um, I guess this is probably a good time to start wrapping it up. Um, Josh, did sure. You have Sorry, anything? I'm so long winded. <laughs> no, this is like the perfect length, man. Uh, Josh, did you have any 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 questions or insights you wanted to get into? No, I think we pretty much covered all the bases. Uh, sounds like things are going pretty good in Richmond now. Uh, oh, yeah. lots of good bands there. Uh, Killing Pace is definitely one the one you mentioned that I like the most there. Uh, so glad you know things are are going well there. So, have you seen Killing Pace live? Have they made it up there at all? Killer live I, band, killer. Very just like a band that just makes you want to just go nuts. Yeah. Just real violent like play- music. <laughs> I feel like they might have played Syracuse, but I think I might be thinking of Division of Mine. One, of, I feel like one of those bands also Killer Band at some point. Yeah, yeah, I like both those bands a lot. But for like newer bands, I feel like Killing Pace is one of you know my favorite bands out of that region. So yeah. like we've been talking, like we've talked about on here, and I talk about on the other podcast, which I'm planning on playing one of your guys' songs on there to oh, yeah. promote this Thank episode. Uh, there's just a million fucking bands right now, and it's awesome to see so many different bands and different styles and shit. You know, so. Yeah, thanks yeah, for coming. Thanks for thanks for coming on, though, guys. I'm sure Greg's got a couple last uh, wrap up questions for you guys. So, yeah, Sam and uh, Michael, do you guys have any shout outs uh, or anything? Uh, shout outs mm-hmm. either for people or bands that that need to be mentioned, or um, anything you guys mm-hmm. wanted to speak to that we didn't get to through the natural course of the conversation. We mentioned a lot of really good bands that I would shout out and maybe already have. Um, Reckoning Force, Killing Pace, Brain Tourniquet from DC. Those are some of my bands personal mutant favorite strain. bands yeah um yeah mutant strain amazing like if you like a uh, really wild punk hardcore mutant strain are killing it for sure yeah yeah i think those are a lot of the big heavy hitters i mean there's always new bands there's just like constantly new bands popping up i know you guys were kind of talking about that where it's just like there'll be like two new people will move to town and then they'll start four bands <laughs> um, oh you know we played the other night with Arrogance, who were like a brand new local band. I'd never seen them. I think it was their second show. And I thought they just whooped ass. And I'm very excited that they're a new local band that I'll get to see more of. I thought they were great. thought they were kind of like uh, Waste Management. I don't know if you guys ever heard that band. Mm-hmm. Came to mind like uh, Early Agnostic Front, but faster and killer. Good band, Arrogance, yeah. Yeah, oh, Invertebrates too. That's another really great band. Oh, just like, great! Yeah, like 80s hardcore. They're just really good. It's a lot of members from uh, Public Acid, who uh, you know, I think a lot of people know that band. But um, Invertebrates are share a lot of members, and they are just as good, in my opinion. Awesome. Oh. So then, last thing, where can people go to check you guys out on social media? What do you guys have up on uh, streaming services? Uh, yeah, we're up on everything. Uh, we do have an Instagram account. I try to keep it fairly bare bones. Um, I think a lot of times you see, like, I, I obviously have no problem with bands having social media, but it's when people like try to have like too much of like a shtick online. Uh, a lot of bands on Twitter can like, are like trying to make their band known by just being obnoxious or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're on, uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, I think it's private hell RVA, I think. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, then we have our new EP that just came out just a couple weeks ago. It's on Spotify, uh, Bandcamp, uh, uh, I think it's Private Hell VA or RVA.bandcamp.com. That sounds uh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Check. It. I think it's on Spotify too. Just uh, check it out. I'm, we're we're pretty proud of it, and uh, it it also came out on tape via um, a new label here called Persistent Vision Records, uh, who they've been doing a lot of reissues of like Page Ninety Nine stuff and some other. Oh, cool speaking stuff. of earlier, I I heard that that label is doing a Catharsis reissue. 
I've heard that. Yeah, it's it, apparently. I think it's, that might uh, be an. It's, it's 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 possible. Is what is kind of what I'm hearing is that it's. Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought that was announced, but Page Ninety Nine, regardless, very very cool, like kind of legendary local band. Never expected to be on a label with them, so I was I was yeah. stoked when, uh, when that came together. Page Ninety Nine was a another band that was very popular in Rochester from Richmond, so oh, we cool. got a lot of a lot of ties. Uh, the was, or am I getting them confused with City of Caterpillar, Josh? Which which one did, uh, had they were sure members with like twenty four amps behind them? That was ninety nine. They they had like nine to ten members at a time. Yeah, I I think like every time they played here, it was like City of Caterpillar and Page ninety nine. Yeah, so that's they why. shared they shared members, members and and yeah, they they've all they're all kind of the same crew from what I understand. Yeah, one time I saw them at a park lodge that was like the size of somebody's kitchen. Um, and they had, they must <laughs> have had like four, four, you know, like four, ten, uh, four twelves for like each guitar. <laughs> like they had so many freaking amps. It was so loud. You could like feel your heart palpitating when they would, oh, yeah. when they would play. And I've never had that at like a DIY show. You usually got to go to like a big stadium show for that. <laughs> they could definitely fill a stadium with the, the kind of amps they're packing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. Um, and uh, appreciate you guys being on. Take care. The Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci. This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Standfast. Visit Hardcore Archive podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes. Follow Hardcore Archive podcast and Enterprise Hardcore podcast on Instagram for updates. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcorearchivepodcast at gmail.com.